2: Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two. It is Good Friday. Good Friday because it is Good Friday because Greg is back. We missed you <laughs> last week. Thanks for being you. with us. I missed you. both of you. And Jim, you're here as always. Thanks for being always. here. I got nothing.
0: The Iron Man of Take Two. He never misses a show. Yeah.
2: All right. So we're all dressed for Easter, ready to go. But Greg has been a world traveler. That's why you weren't with us. You were right. in China. What were you doing in China?
0: so when i was speaker of the house uh, we have a a, a province a chinese province to state relationship it's been running now for 13 years uninterrupted it's the longest province to state relationship in in the country and uh, that has taken me it took me my first trip was in 2015. Uh, you meet a lot of provincial leaders that are equivalent to state leaders Uh, you see the different businesses and industry and and my eyes were open to china in that uh, visit back in 15 and we we host delegations that come here And we've uh, that relationship, Utah with China and its respective provinces and cities, has grown over the years. And in a time like now where you see the trade, some call it a trade war. I like to call it a trade dispute. uh, I think that their economy is growing 400 million in in China's middle class. We have 300 million total people. That's our old people and babies that we include.
2: Include, yeah. Yeah.
0: They have a very strong uh, economy. You're not going to contain it in my mind. So these trade relationships and these trade negotiations, I think, ultimately have to, by necessity, work out, uh, Utah should be very much a friend and a partner economically with China. And what I what I did in this last trip, I was invited to come and speak at the Shanghai Institute of American Studies and speak about the opportunities that we have uh, for those trade did partnerships. Did you tell them about
1: Take-Two? I did. You
0: know what? <laughs> I told them they need to come and watch us. I, I probably failed, to We have a whole new audience of It's millions. a podcast. And I'm we telling you, you know, there is, you know, they're really pensive about Trump, and they're pensive about the whole Who uh, relationship. Uh, <laughs> especially Jim. That's why you can't take Jim there. He'll, he'll cause a riot. It'll make everybody afraid. Uh, but, you know, I was there kind of as a voice. Look, we're all the same party. Utah's a red state. Uh, the Trump administration, Republicans. Those conversations are difficult ones by way of trade to have, but I think they're necessary. But what I was there to say is, look, we are, we are excited. We have 13,000 students in dual immersion programs learning Chinese. Those are not parents sending their children to learn from fear. So these narratives of fear about China, narratives of that we should uh, fear one another, I think they're counterproductive. You never make good decisions based on fear. So really, I was there. That the theme of the conference was shared history, shared future. We have the big... One hundred and fifty-year anniversary of the Golden Spike, the Intercontinental yeah. Railroad, uh, coming together uh, at the beginning of May. Seventy uh, members of the Chinese delegation from different provinces, districts, the Chinese Embassy are coming to celebrate that, and uh, so we were there in a very encouraging way. And I think that it's important to note, and I'm, this is why I am glad we brought it up on the show. For a long time, the relationship of Chinese railroad workers in building the the railroad, the Intercontinental Railroad, was not something seen positively. It was seen as maybe a dark time in, in, in history in terms of how Chinese railroad workers were treated. With uh, There was racism at the time. But when uh, President Xi came years ago to visit with President Obama, he had a quote about the good things that had happened when the railroad workers came and, and, and participated in this. They built 10 miles of rail in one day. It's a record. That's awesome. It'll never happen again. And uh, that... That has flipped the script. And what I'm excited to report is that China does not see the railroad workers that came from China and working on this intercontinental railroad and the big celebration we're about to have as a negative. They are celebrating it with us. And I think that's something that uh, is different than it had been in the past and something that we as Utah should embrace. And that is a spirit of uh, cooperation and a, kind of a unification that – we we don't see enough of. As long I think. as we're not we pasting
1: it. up our history, because what happened was pretty bad in, our, in hey. our relationship, and we ought to tell that story, and we ought to tell all of our children, and especially Chinese children, so it will not happen again. It's one thing to f- all come together, but we got to make sure everybody underst- uh, understands just how how bad. I, it that keeps was. the history,
2: but it's nice to not carry grudges because yeah. at some point you've got to learn to work together and
0: let the world with move that, on. Totally. No, (laughs) you've got to. I
2: remember when I went to Europe, it was when I was 20. I understand more the older I am now, but I went to Holland to visit my family, and they didn't want to go with us when we were going to Germany or France or anywhere else because there were still so many tough, hard... Emotional feelings um, from the war, and I hope that as new generations come, we'll learn that history, but maybe not be afraid or unwilling to go visit and be a part of other countries. So it
1: matters. We got to get there. No
2: having fun or joking on this show.
0: Yeah, really.
2: (laughs) One one of the things that's happened is
0: we've kind of erased the history, per se. A lot of people, we just don't talk about it enough. And I think what we're doing is we're moving beyond that. I think nobody's ignoring some of the hardships, the things that had happened, but I do think it's a, a great and refreshing. Change of narrative when we talk about how our countries had connected East and West together for commerce, people to people, uh, with the railroad. And really, this celebration, when we see this many coming from uh, the government, respective governments of provinces and districts, and the central government and the embassy, uh, we're going to connect East and West, I think, through this celebration. And Utah's going to lead the way. I think it's going to be a great narrative. And
1: Utah's the perfect state to... Uh, all right, let's excellent. talk, let's talk all right. policy for all a minute right. about China. Before, Okay, we move but on, you got to be no, fast, because be I was fast. told next
2: topic in my yeah, ear. Yeah, all right.
1: Well, will tell your ear that it okay. be all right. Look, I lived there a couple of years. My husband and I moved there. We lived there in Beijing. We traveled around a lot. And I think Trump has it half right. The Chinese are ripping us off in every imaginable way with every single possibility. They're there stealing plans. They are, they are the best at that.
2: But this and, is not the government, the people. No, I mean, it's the yes. government. It's, yes.
1: it's certain little locations with a red army, and we need a president to stand up and say, you know what? We probably can't stop you from doing that, but there's going to be a hell of a price to pay. Unfortunately, that's not what the pre- that's not the battle the president is is fighting. It's off to do with a bunch of other little detail-y things. So I hope that somehow through all of this wonderful niceness and everything, we can remind the Chinese stop it, or else there's going to be consequences because that's really really important. That the playing field has to be fair.
2: All right, important issue there. Yes. All right, yep. next one here. See. So it was a big week for Jim DeBakus. He got to hang out with Senator Elizabeth Warren. She is one of probably almost what? three dozen. We stopped Democratic the last topic
0: to go to Elizabeth Warren. I know, right? Uh,
2: three dozen uh, Democratic presidential candidates. I don't know if it's up to that many, but a lot. I was
0: it's like a million.
2: Impressed that she had yeah. Um, a crowd. I would say maybe more than a thousand. I wasn't there to count, but there was a big line out the door. A lot of people wanted to hear from her. Someone left a box out front of the depot. There was a small bomb scare that went away in a few minutes. So luckily, that wasn't an issue because we want to wholeheartedly welcome candidates into the state. But you met with Senator Warren. Uh, what happened?
1: Well, met. You know, I mean, yeah. you hugged. We, we you were said in hello a relationship, room? yeah. And I smelled what? her hair, and then we moved on. <laughs> but I, I, I just want to say how cool it is. Now, this is the second presidential candidate of the Democrats. Mr. Castro is here, not yeah. Fidel. Um, Raul. Uh, and we... Said it. I didn't. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. And not only that, but they're not just zooming up to Park City, grabbing a briefcase full of money, and then heading out. They're staying at rallies. They're talking. And um, I think that is wonderful for democracy. And I hope we can get all 900... Uh, but there's 330 people in America, and I, I understand a little over two... I think
2: there's more than 300 people in America. 330 30 people. Yeah,
1: 330, 330 million, million, million yes. and- Almost 68 million are running for president uh, on the Democratic (laughs) side. So I'm just saying. They're a lot. But
2: I'm glad that she was here. I think it's important that she didn't use this as a cash stop as usual. And she did say on Twitter before she came that she's running for president of all 50 states, which I think is something that's lost on some candidates. So super, super important there. You did not drop by on your way into town?
0: I did not. I, I, her. You know, her wake was felt by many of us as state as policymakers or those that care about public policy. And
2: bears ear. She wants to send it back to the Obama. Well, it's
0: not just even bears ears. She just wants to, all 70 percent of our state land mass, which is BLM, either owned by federal government through the Bureau of Land Management or some other description. Uh, she wants to shut down all activity on all that land. And I think that's nice for her to say. But if you talk to the county commissioners and those, Families and those that uh, are on those lands, or you have uh, an extraction industry that does uh, exist there. I think that would be very a, a very draconian uh, outcome for people and, in the state of is Utah. Is
2: extraction a nice word for? Are you talking about oil drilling? Yeah,
0: we got we've got clean, mm-hmm. low sulfur, waxy uh, crude. We have clean coal, and what I mean by clean because I've been challenged on that term. On the
2: word clean and coal going. Our into the same sulfur
0: sentence. content is lower than Australia. It's lower than Indonesia, and when you have coal-fired power plants in, in Japan and South Korea and in China who have every plan, every intention in the world of using coal, why wouldn't you want the lowest uh, sulfur content that has a high BTU? Utah's coal will never satisfy that whole demand. But if you could bring a coal that would create lower emissions, if we really care about the whole global climate change, I would think we would embrace things like that, not try to find roadblocks to it. And I think that's what Elizabeth Don't Warren's message about-
1: was. Jim, don't talk about coal. Don't talk about coal. It's so self-evident that there's no future in it. But talk about you. (laughs) Elizabeth Warren is right here. Bring back full Grand Escalante, bring back bear's ears, and also cut down on what's going on in public land. You have the legislature and the governor over here and they are fanatic radicals. Let's drill in the, uh, and around our national parks. Let's not preserve anything. Let's turn it all over to the fossil. Let's take the book cliffs and let's build roads everywhere. What I'm saying is what the Republicans set us up, the legislature and the governor for, is a catastrophe. Because President Obama declared this, President Trump undeclared it. Elizabeth Warren is saying, I'm going to declare it back. We had a chance. Rob Bishop blew it. He had a generational opportunity with his chairmanship, and you had the Obama administration that was sitting down saying, Get us a plan, a long time generational plan. Let's trade Sitla land. Let's make this sensible for Utah. And Bishop didn't have the guts to do it, and the legislature didn't. They were holding out for the whole enchilada, which they got, but it is a hollow victory that they got in a quick political gambit, but we're right back to square one. We need a big long-term solution that Utah Republicans are going to have to sacrifice their fantasy that the federal government is going to turn over all the public land to them. It's not going to happen. Okay,
2: but do we really want the federal government and each president coming through, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, looking to the West, looking at a land and wanting to put their name on it, without... Probably knowing as much as they should and just waving the magic wand and saying, This is my legacy. Because sometimes I feel like the thought process hasn't gone through. Maybe the consultation with the states doesn't happen. And then you get decisions. There's no that consulting
1: are not- with Utah. They of are, they put bags over their head. They say, We want everything our way. No. We're going to, d- they were, I went three times to Washington and met with the Obama people. They were they were so infuriating to me. They kept waiting, you know, we know Rob Bishop is working on this plan and blah, blah, blah. They were never working on a plan. They were uh, stalling. Did you ever go meet with Rob Bishop? He wouldn't meet with me. He so, would not um, meet I, with me. He, I, These people do not want a reasonable compromise, which is going to have to happen in the long term. We need to, to protect this much public land. We need to trade this much SITLA land. And we need to tell those rural county commissioners, you know what, guys? What do you want? You want to go back and forth with no consistency or you want to make some concessions. I'm going
2: to
0: blend a bunch of topics here. Okay, go for
2: it.
1: WikiLeaks. One of the things that is never
0: discussed in WikiLeaks because, no, you know, the, what they hacked is I can't is wait legitimate. to see where this is going. I know. <laughs> I know. I look like I'm <laughs> way out here. Let me pull it in. When they hacked uh, Podesta's emails. One of the things they found that hasn't got a lot of discussion but is there was the Pew Foundation reaching out to Podesta as if he had some role in government mm-hmm. you know he seemed to be in the if you look at his emails which no one's questioned the validity of they just don't like that it got hacked he a lot of people were coming to him because he was running Hillary's campaign yeah. like he had levers within government you had the Pew Foundation that was working on a compromise on lands with Rob Bishop and they asked Podesta to stop. Morab Bishop, Congressman Bishop's progress to see if he he could convince the Democrats to not allow that to go any further. That didn't get a lot of play, certainly didn't get it nationally, but it was amazing to me to see kind of the back channeling that was going on, probably without Congressman Bishop's even understanding how that was working. Congressman Bishop, he worked years and years to find some solutions. He was stopped at every turn by the Democrats. The, the Podesta emails show that there was a lot going on that people didn't know about in terms of trying to create that blockage. Another uh, That's the one issue. Okay. Here's the other segment. When we talk about our tourism in the state of Utah, you want to know what damages? Uh, archaeological finds and, 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 and sensitive lands in the Bears Ears area? Making it a national monument, bringing more tourists there, seeing more people that are now trampling over some of the areas that were pristine and protected. And speaking with someone who does search and rescue down there, uh, they had an average of a number, just a few, that they do it voluntarily, mm-hmm. uh, where people would get lost. Since the announcement of Bears Ears, and it had happened in uh, in the end of the Obama administration, the number of people that had come, because it was better known, uh, and getting lost, and the, the search and rescue that had to happen was quadruple the number it had been before. Some of the damage to some of those areas had been seen that had not happened before. So again, Sometimes we say, we want this this, uh, national monument to protect it, but just the mere designation of it, if you talk to the people that actually live on that land or have been part of that land, they will tell you that that designation does not necessarily end up protecting that very land.
2: Yeah, I think you can see that when you go to Zion National Park. If you've been anytime recently, it's like the Disneyland of the outdoors where you literally wait in lines to go to the bathroom, wait in lines to walk up trails. And having all of those people, I mean, we've done a great job advertising the Mighty Five, which might become the Bears Ears Mighty Six. But when people know about it, they come, the world comes, which is good. But humans
1: are not nice to things The state needs to understand that. Do you know in 2008, for our 43 state parks, the budget was 12.5 million dollars of taxpayers' money that went. You know what it was last year? 4.5 million dollars in actual money. The legislature is so pleased that they're paying for itself, and isn't it wonderful that it's self-sustaining? Baloney! State parks ought to be subsidized. We ought to be. We have better state parks than some national parks, and we ought to be funding them, and we ought to be. Treating them preciously, that would re- that would help some of our other areas. It would also relieve some of this tremendous pressure from the Mighty Five. The legislature wants to keep it so they can sell it off to oil mm-hmm. and mining and gas <laughs> interests. Take Sitla for example, which is the state people. They have a regulation that says if a piece of property is a 10 on beauty and a 2 on revenue, sell, sell, sell. We're not allowed to take that into consideration at all. It's all about revenue, even if it's a 2, and on beauty it's a 10. It's despicable. The state has crocodile tears. They don't care about the land at all unless it's going to produce revenue for their buddies. I think it's a double-edged sword
2: sometimes. I think we could talk about this issue for hours, but we're going to talk about something else that gets you all riled Uh. up. There's a new Amazon center. Uh, You're not very happy that they have robots there, but we should say that this is 855,000 square feet. It's a big business coming to Utah, and they're going to bring nearly 1,500 full-time Amazon employees here. So the good news, we have 1,500 employees, but you're upset they have robots there. Can no, we not
0: share? Why do you hate robots? I mean, I, don't I know. You, what did they what, ever do? Did you do hate to you? Star Wars I when you were growing <laughs> up? You don't like that RPG show?
2: Too. You yeah. want to go first
0: this time, Gregory? You want me to? Give uh, a you crack? know, I, well, I always love to answer back what you say. It's so horrible to go first. Um, no, let me just say, I think what what Jim would say, and actually, I think there's a there's a we talked about this before the show. There's a candidate uh, out of the 68 million that are running yes. for president. There's one that's talking about. Uh, artificial intelligence and how uh, displacing workforce with automation uh, can have a devastating impact on our workforce. Uh, Think about how many drivers, whether it be for uh, UPS or for buses or trucks or uh, whatever, Uber, whatever it is. uh, Displacing uh, people with automation uh, can have a very detrimental impact on our economy. So you look at, uh, at Amazon, and you see how automated it is. And I think that there's a natural concern of where are there going to be jobs? Uh, was it advertised for jobs versus not? I think there's a blend there. I think that having Amazon uh, in Utah that net is clearly uh, good for our economy. It's, uh, there's a lot of feeder uh, companies that find themselves in proximity to Amazon. Uh, our economy will prosper having that kind of uh, corporate uh, presence in our state but i do think that there is something to, to keep our eye on in terms of automation we don't want to keep the candle makers in business just cuz they're in business or the you know the horse and buggy uh, I mean, makers uh, but but automation is going to be an emerging issue in terms of our workforce. It, it really is, is true. I
2: think in Japan they already have news anchors that are automated. I'm not very concerned <laughs> at this point yet because I, I feel like they oh, like the radios, wrinkly they have people here on TV in Utah. They're like we prefer that. But yeah. is this a concern? I mean, they're Look, still bringing. I mean, I'm not a good We it's going dogs. in that
1: direction. We have to have robots. But what Greg is saying is absolutely true. The big yeah. issue. And one of the reasons we're in this terrible um, crisis with, with drugs is, in, particularly in rural areas, there are no jobs. And when people lose their jobs, they lose more than an income, they lose their self-worth, and they go a lot of bad places. So the next generation of politicians need to be thinking about keeping four or 500 million Americans working and somewhere to go every day. That, that job in the next six years... We're going to lose 4 million truck-driving jobs. They're just going to go. We're going to have, like it or not, well, who's those self-driving trucks from are going the to go. Truck.
2: I mean, the UPS driver, it, we could do without, but who's going to get out and, like, throw this mer- stuff on your lawn? There'll be a few,
1: whatever. There'll be an and, arm and, 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 on the but truck. But the point is that Trump is wrong in where the big threat for our jobs are. It is it is where we're going in as far as automation and stuff and not necessarily on immigrants. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to say... I don't have an answer to that. I don't think anybody does. But a society that doesn't take that into consideration—that we need jobs and we need a population that is contributing—and that all—and and while we got to move ahead with automation, we need hey, look, to find that. For your the, the consideration,
0: iteration. Jim, think about this: when you have uh, some political movements that want to artificially raise the minimum wage because they want it to be a living wage. It sounds great on paper, but what you're seeing in some of those jurisdictions that have done that is the automation. Instead of seeing that minimum wage being paid, you're finding kiosks that are now taking that job because f- financially for the business, it's it's that's more viable for them to have the kiosk. Than and we to, all want lower prices than to I'm have assuming. politicians yeah. tell you you have to pay more. Hey, look at Amazon. So it's you got to be careful there about how how we uh, you know preserve a workforce. You could actually. And the workforce, if you uh, if you do it in a way that's not uh, here is what kills through. me.
1: The governor's standing there, and he just loves having that shovel in his hat. And you know, I'm Mister Jobs. What good when we are at full employment in Salt Lake at this moment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and in Utah? Yeah. What good are taking precious land in the Salt Lake Valley to create thirteen hundred jobs? 1,200 of them are not livable. You cannot pay on $13 an hour. You can't pay your rent. Where where are you going to live and do that? No one suggests that's the end Maybe that's not your career.
2: Is that your stepping stone job to something better maybe? I don't know.
1: We don't need stepping stones. We need real jobs where people can pay their rent.
2: I know, but do you want kids in high school making like so much money
1: they think they never do you have want to work? Kids in high and school working full time jobs Jim. at Amazon. Do this. Trust the market.
0: If if that wage is so low that people can't afford their rent, they can't make their their basic obligations and buy groceries, they're not going to have employees that will work for that wage. I, I think that the economy, the the markets will adjust to what it caught co- the cost of living in the area you're in. But you have to have a place to start, and you have to have a place for people to move forward. The long longer they're there, their wage will increase. But when we, in the best of intentions, decide to elevate what a minimum wage is, calling it living, I think there's some, con- okay, I mean, some consequences. Okay, but you're there. against
1: any kind of welfare for uh, not against any but you don't like the premise of welfare for for people and perhaps Medicaid expansion I, and I'm not talking about you I'm <laughs> to the, back to Medicaid expansion, I'm, uh, I'm talking Jim, to the legislature Heidi.
0: that's what he always does.
1: It but also the back richest that. guy in the world who owns Amazon, the state is there rolling out those hundred dollar bills millions and, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to that guy to come and build this place where there's going to be 11 or 1200 people that can't, can't live with just one job. they got to go out and get two or three. I'm saying, you know what, Mr. Bezos, we can't stop you from coming to Salt Lake. Come, build your factory, but don't use taxpayers' money. Don't use the money of the other corporations and the other small businesses that are being taxed to pay a subsidy for Jeff Bezos to bring his non-livable jobs. That's welfare.
0: The, 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 the investment that the, the state will make is called a post-performance uh, incentive. Yeah. That means they have to come in and do everything they've promised and qualify for before they would see those uh, the post-performance uh, dollars arrive by the state. So we don't cede money to, to corporations uh, to come here. But uh, if they do promise certain economic uh, benefits... Uh, in a post-performance model uh, the state has uh, through Governor's Office of Economic Development, they've provided that. But I think what Jim's saying, we have to be very careful. It does rub me wrong that you got a guy that owns Facebook like Mark Zuckerberg, He's yeah. very, I would argue, very liberal in terms of his politics. <laughs> uh, he loves candidates that would uh, raise everyone's taxes and then Facebook arrives in Utah and they want every tax break in the world. And it seems to be a disconnect between the business he owns and what they would like to see by way of incentives. Uh, one year we Utah didn't do it it was too they, they wanted too much they went to New Mexico uh, they're here now but under a, a, a solid uh, agreement but you have a company that's looking for tax breaks with an owner of that company that supports candidates that would love to raise everyone's taxes and creates class warfare and says the rich they're just They're bad. You know, they don't pay enough. It's it's a bit of disconnect.
2: Jobs are tough topics, I know. We've been talking about this at my home. My daughter uh, is in college right now. She has two summer jobs right now. And I'm still paying the roof over her head, but I kind of want her to work hard right now. And I don't want anyone to pay her $30 an hour because I want her to be like, oh, awesome. I'm heading back after the summer to get my degree so I can... Grow up and not do that. Wait a
1: minute! If she's making thirty dollars an hour, she can subsidize mom.
2: Oh, I don't want that though. I want her to learn to work. What hard. kind of a mother
1: are you? That's what. I haven't a- put any glass ceiling <laughs> over my college student. She is. Uh, her job
0: is. They can uh, pay at her the best that she can do. Moms, I guess <laughs> my fear is at the best she can do. I pay for I pay for her rent uh, and her school. But I will tell you, I real. She's halfway through college. Yeah. I fundamentally worry that when she gets her degree, if she'll be able to afford to live in Utah. Um, I mean, how does that, her wage and what she'll be able to make with the cost of living in Utah, my fear is that there's a separation going on in terms of what people can afford. And so I, I'm a little worried about that. Just on a, a, within yeah. my own home, I'm worried about that. Your
2: kid's going to be living there forever. I know my first news job, I made $17,000. I think I qualified uh, when I had my daughter for WIC and That's food stamps, which I didn't use. No, that was <laughs> for the, the year. Per my broadcast? Husband, yeah. <laughs> my husband was going to school, I think, and made more money. So well, it
1: They paid high. You matters. made the broadcast? Can you imagine? I know. I'd be no. so rich. and six right? and okay, eight and ten. Well, okay. Yeah, wow, yeah I know. I'm going
2: to talk to my boss about that. Get paid per show. <laughs> yeah. okay.